Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news, along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back again to Police Pod Talk this week. Once again, I have a guest with me today, Christina Wonderly. Christina Wonderly is here and a support with her name, Chris. He's in the back. He said he doesn't want to talk, but he's here for support. So Christina is here today. She's going to tell us about her son, Peyton. Christina, you can say hello to the listeners out there. Hello. Okay, they want to make sure they know you're here. Okay. Christina's going to talk about her son, Peyton, and she's going to explain what happened. And uh, we'll get into a few questions about him and his life. But, uh, Christina, go ahead and start out with the day, date, and time, if you remember, and get into the story on what actually happened to Peyton. It was July 16th of 2022. Um, I received a phone call from um, my son's dad. He had called to let me know that my son was um, passed out cold, is what I heard on the phone. Um, what was actually said to me was that he was passed out and cold. Okay. Peyton, um, their dad and I aren't together, so they go and they visit with their dad uh, every other weekend. And that weekend they had something planned. Um, he typically didn't go and spend the night, but they had a big weekend. It was Three Rivers Festival weekend, and the new Thor movie had come out. They were doing both. Okay. He, um, he was on a strict um, 10 o'clock need to be in the house kind of thing. Uh, from some trouble he had been in, he was 17 years old, so he was still under mom's rule, and he was home at that time. Mm-hmm. That night, some friends started calling and texting, um, trying to get him to come out. Dad decided to be cool dad and um, tried to build some trust there, right. and he let him go. Right. Uh, he went to and hung out with friends, being normal boys, uh, teenage boys. They were over off of the Bluffton Road Bridge area, just hanging out, doing mm-hmm. their thing. It's summertime, and they're, mm-hmm. a few of them were getting ready to turn 18. Peyton was 13 days from his 18th birthday when he passed. Okay. He walked home. He was on a Life360 app, so I know that he received, or he returned home to his dad about 3.15, 3.20 in the morning. Um, his friend had walked him home. He had walked in, he had spoken with his dad, told his dad he was going to bed. I had talked to him on the phone, everything seemed fine and normal. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any, other than the fact that he was out at that time in the morning and wasn't supposed to be, I didn't have anything to be alarmed about. Right. Um, And my conversation with him is very normal. Mm -hmm. He went home, he went to bed, and um, he put his music in, he began to text his girlfriend, and it was over. He went to sleep and never <laughs> never woke up again. It was somewhere around 3.20-ish on the 16th. That was about 4 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't until about 3.20 in the afternoon that he was discovered. Okay. So he's talking to his girlfriend on the phone. Did you see the text messages? Yes. I seen the text messages back and forth between him and his girlfriend from that night. And he has a text that he started to her. This is where I've come to the conclusion that this is when it was done. It was over. He finally went out because it was a started text 
and it was not finished and it was not sent. But it was enough of a text that allowed me to know who gave and shared with my son. So when you say who gave and shared, let the listeners know what that means. My son did not purchase this pill. My son had absolutely no money to his name. One of his friends, one of his best friends, um, they get it quite often. They um, they use the the perk thirties. Okay. Yep. And so, um, anyway, someone's going to say, "What is a perk 30? It's a it's a well, it's considered a Percocet, and it's the thirty it's the thirty milligram yep. or something yep. like that. But really, it's not really. It's just a pill filled with fentanyl. Okay. Um, these kids are not getting real perks. Right. And so it, it, they're laced. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are getting away from it, getting away from what happened to my son, it's literally just luck. Right. I mean, you're just lucky. Okay, so you didn't recognize or in the text messages there was nothing in there that made you suspicious about their conversation, boyfriend-girlfriend conversations. They're just talking, right? Right. It was just a, it was just them back and forth. Like mm-hmm. he was being a boy, and so he was, you know, with his friend, so he wasn't right. paying attention to his phone real well. So she's a little upset with that. Okay. And then, you know, he got to paying attention to her and stuff, and he was home, and they were right. discussing back and forth that, you know, everything's good. Right. You know, and then he he started to text her about how messed up he was. No. And he started, and he said his friend's name and okay. that he gave it okay so, so he basically told yes what happened yes so she could sense something was wrong with him well he never it? sent that he, oh, he that's okay. when he went out it never got sent it just got started it's just sitting there yeah so you have that phone yes was that ever given to the police well that would maybe have happened if i've had any police contact Oh. Even at the scene. Okay, go go ahead. Tell that part. I didn't know. The only police officers that I ever had at my scene were the clo- the the Detectives. uniformed oh, uniform officers. Officer. Okay, that was just basically there to keep me out of the home. I wanted to see my son. I was denied to see my son inside the home because it was a scene. Okay, understandable. And I dealt with that and took that. I hated it, but I took that. But I kept saying, okay, so when he comes out. Can we at least unzip the bag so I can see my son's face? No, they did not let me do that. They told me they would, but they did not. Okay. I was told then I'd be able to see him at the coroner's office. So Monday, this is a Saturday mm-hmm. that he passed on. Monday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm calling the coroner's office. I want to see my son. Nope, you can't do that either. Didn't get to see my son. I had no police contact. The coroner's office never showed at my scene. I released my son's body to Dio McCombs for the coroners because they help them, I guess, when okay. they're backed up and they must have been backed up that day. Because the, I got a phone call stating that if I wanted to wait on them, it would be another two hours for them to come get my son's body. But I could release him to Dio McCombs and they would do the same job. Okay, I got I to gotta back this back up a little bit here. He's at his dad's house. Yes. Okay. And dad calls the police. Yes. Did they have a clue on what was wrong with him at that time? Well, they called 911, and they, I think they just said that he was, I don't know exactly what they okay. said, but probably the same thing they told to me is that he's passed out and cold. Okay. By the time they had found him, he was, it was, he was in full rigor mortis. His body was stiff. He was freezing cold. He okay. had already had the endema and everything that sets in. So he was gone. Okay, so 
obviously they figured it was a crime scene and they weren't going to let anybody in. I'm assuming so. Okay. Um, because like I said, I really had no contact with anybody at the scene. The only people I got to speak to were um, the EMT crews. Okay. And that was just for them to come out and tell me that they were sorry that they couldn't do any more for my son. Okay. I still didn't know how long he had been gone at that point. Right. I was being kept okay. from pertinent information at that time. I'm thinking that my kid had just died. Right. I had right. no idea that we're like 12 hours into this. And you found out the 12 hours later. Right? Yes. My other son, he, uh, my son Parker, he is the one who started telling me what had went on the night before. Mm -hmm. I was under the understanding I had dropped my son at his girlfriend's house at 5 o'clock on the 15th. Okay. I had just assumed he had stayed at her house and he was walking home from her house. I had no idea that he would went back out with friends that okay. night. Okay. Because for some reason, my Life360 was not working correctly, so it wasn't telling me these things. And it wasn't until after I found out that he had passed away and I started going back through, mm -hmm. I realized that I didn't have these on there. And I'm like, why? That's weird. But that's beyond all of that. I can't change right. that. But right. it still would have been maybe important. But okay. I didn't have the information that he had hit home and left again. Okay. Okay, I'm going to fast forward. Okay. Now, you said that the coroner, did they eventually tell you what was in his system? <laughs> um, I currently have a case going on. So I have to watch what I do and don't say in this. Okay, okay. But what I can say is that my son, um, I'm not sure what happened to my son when he reached the coroner's office. Um, my son was extremely decayed when we got to the funeral home, and he never got his autopsy tox or tissue. They sent him out without any of that. And I was, and I found that out because four weeks after his death, I tried to call and see if I could get some early reports because they told me six to eight weeks. So four weeks, I'm trying to get early ones. They told me, no, that they didn't have them yet. The very next day, I receive a call from um, one of the coroners and was told that they had no reports. And I was like, yeah, I know I called yesterday. And they're like, no, we don't have any reports because we didn't do an autopsy. And I'm like, what? Because, you know, I'd been told my son's 17 years old. It's required. He's a minor. They have to have autopsies. And they have to have this done because 17-year-olds just don't drop dead. So um, I freaked out and started making calls everywhere trying to figure out if this was really true. Mm -hmm. And I got some information back that, no, I got bad information that they did do Peyton's work, and I would be getting my reports. So I sat still. About September, sometime middle of September, I received another call from the coroner's office letting me know that, no, they did not. And that my option, that they would give me the option to exhume my son and do that well, I just buried my son two months prior, and at that time, my head was like, no way are you bringing my son back up. It, you don't even know what it took for me to put him down. So, right. uh, no, I can't bring him up. And we went and met. And didn't what we came up with out of that meeting was, um, was not enough. Wait, who did you meet with? Um, we met with the coroner and the deputy coroner. Okay. And... 
Are you allowed to talk about the meeting or not? Yep, that meeting, I was okay. nothing was said that I couldn't. So um, I received apologies for um, what had happened or the lack of what had happened. Mm-hmm. But really no answers. Because um, I took my mom and my stepdad with me, and one of the things was, is where's the checks and balances? How does this happen? And at this point, we're not even aware of the rest of what had happened. We had been told multiple times that my son's condition was due to the manner of his death. It took us investigating with other people and other families and finding out that, no, that was not because of his death. They don't turn black because they died from fentanyl. My son, when I walked in 10 days after seeing him, my son, who was a very pale child, mm-hmm. I'm expecting gray. There's death. No. His ears were completely black. His skin was black-toned. His fingers were black And I've been to a lot of funerals in my life, and everybody that I've ever touched, their heart everywhere, everywhere. And my son had soft spots and stuff, and and he stunk. Did they explain any of this to you? No. I had to get an attorney. So I got an attorney. Well, before you go into the attorney, i got to go back to that meeting. Did they explain anything of what you saw? No. They didn't even take any um, blame as into why that condition. It has been through our deduction and my attorney Mm -hmm. that we've realized that what happened is he probably, and I'm going to go with probably because I don't know, wasn't stored correctly. He was left somewhere. And I don't know for how many days because I didn't get to call till Monday. So I'm going to go back to Peyton. Tell me about Peyton growing up as a kid. (laughs) What was he like? Oh, Peyton was a lot. He was a lot. Uh, he, was, he was diagnosed as severe ADHD at two and a half years old. Okay. Because I'm like, he was off the wall. And I'm like, I've, I've, I know that we're in terrible twos, but like this is not normal. So he was diagnosed very early. We tried medication for a while, really didn't help, so we stopped medicating and just let him be him. Okay. He was one of the most friendly people that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved everybody. Uh, he wore his heart on his sleeve. He got that from his mom, <laughs> and I tried so hard to keep him from doing it, but he did it anyways. Right. Um, when his friends hurt, he hurt. When mm-hmm. his family hurt, he hurt. Mm-hmm. He loved his family. He considered them more than what they were. He's got a cousin, uh, Landon, my brother's uh, son. Okay. They're brothers. They weren't cousins. They're brothers. Right. You know, my brother is like a, another dad, you know. So family meant a lot to him. He loved sports. He played soccer. He played basketball, football. He skateboarded. Mm-hmm. Music was life. Right. Um, I can remember him as a, as a little boy, about middle school age. He had come to me, and he told me he was going to go to California, and he was going to become a singer or a songwriter or something. Right. And I'm like, okay, I encourage that, but, you know, let's have a backup plan just in case. And I must have hurt his little feelings because he came back a few days later and says, I'm going to go to California, and I'm going to make it, and then I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> 
And I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Because yeah. you know what? If you go to California and you make it and you're not talking to me, I know you're good. Yeah. He didn't yeah. expect that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm okay. All I want is what's best for you. Right. But he is always smiley. He's always cracking a joke, um, <laughs> messing with people. He was right. the, he was the annoying kid, but he right. w- wasn't like mean with it. Right. He just was always in your face, hmm. always right. That he was that I'm not touching you, kid. You uh, know. So, but he had friends. He had lots of friends, mm-hmm. um, and he did a lot for his friends. We've taken in, we've taken in some friends mm-hmm. and let them live with us um, for right. better situations and stuff. That's just him. He brought them home. Right. And he knew if he brought them home, they were, mom wasn't going to say, nope. <laughs> right. So leading up to uh, uh, July 16th, did you notice any change in him? Were there anything changing in his life that you maybe wondered, hey, what's going on with you? Yes. At the end of May, he had left and went to hang out with friends, and I assumed he was coming home as normal, and he didn't. And he didn't come home for like four and a half days. I know where he was. Like I said, he was on a Life 360. Um, We're just right at that edge of him turning 18. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be like, okay, you know, your decisions, you're going to pay for the decisions you make. If this is a decision that you're making, that you're leaving home and this is where you want to be, then, you know, pony up, buddy, because you're not, I'm not funding you, you know. And he did for four and a half days, but he was really off. Like, my son always talked to me on the phone or texted, mm-hmm. and I was having a hard time con. Well, he wouldn't get on the phone with me. Okay. And that was a, something's wrong. So I finally was like, yep, nope, this isn't working. And I called him one night, and I said, okay, you have till tomorrow morning to be home, or your dad and I will be down there with the police, because this is, this is ridiculous. You're 17. Right. I still have control right now. And he came right home. I think... That is where my problem started because it was after that things were happening that I didn't know what they were. Like I didn't know. I didn't know anything about fentanyl. I'd never heard about it. Right. Didn't know existed and certainly didn't know that people were dying from it. I lived inside a bubble Hmm. and I blissfully would go back there in a heartbeat, but I'm not there anymore. But I believe that's where it started for him. Do you think he was using fentanyl, or do you think he's using something else? I think it's the Percocets. Okay. The 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 Perc thirties, or they call them, or the M thirties. Right. Um, they got all kinds of names for them. Right. Um, after going through his phone, but yes, he has the um the young man he shared with him that night mm-hmm. has an older brother, who um I've now found out has OD'd multiple times. Okay. I did not know that at the time. So let's say you saw. Peyton, using these Perk 30s, okay, Percocet. What changes would a parent look at or see in their kid to know that, to even just know that part of it? Not the fentanyl, but just the Percocet. Just the Percocet? Mm-hmm. Mm. That is just their behavior. His behavior, the, the abrupt change in behavior. Give me, I, give me an example. Okay, so um, like with my son, we would we would go back and forth, mom and son. I'm mm-hmm. a parent. He's a child. So we would have those normal ones. But these were getting like he was raging, and then he was apologetic and tearful. Hmm. And that wasn't normal. At the same time, my son's 17, and life is changing, and I'm attributing these things to that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, life is a little stressful. You know, he's trying to figure yeah. out what to do with his life. You right. know, we're almost done being under mama's wing. Mm-hmm. Kind of that freak out mode. Right. I remember doing it myself, so I kind of attributed all that to that. Seclusion, staying away. Hmm. Um, that was one of them. He started staying more in his room. Me, again, he's a gamer. His gaming system's in his room. I'm assuming that that's what we're doing again. Right. It was too much assuming on my behalf and too much of thinking that we're weeks and mm-hmm. away from him turning 18. Right. What can I do as a parent then? You know, mm-hmm. I lose a lot of control at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was trying, I thought I was trying to teach him independence and responsibility. Okay. Now I'm going to fast forward. You said you have an attorney, stuff you can't really talk about. So you right. have something going on with you, an attorney in a coroner's office, and all that. Okay. Yes. Past that, let's move past that. Are you working with a counselor? Are you working with anyone to help you and your family through this? Yes. I see a therapist every week. I started, um, I got myself around and in February of this year, I got myself placed with someone that I've been seeing since then and um, just trying to keep me straight. Okay. When you say kind of keep me straight, what does that mean? (laughs) It's easy for me to just get lost in... uh, the devastation of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is my oldest child. Mm-hmm. Was told most of my life I wasn't going to, like my young life, that I wasn't going to be able to have children. And he's my first. Okay. He's He undid what I thought, you know. I had given up. Hmm. And the, here he comes. And, you know, he was, oh, it's just really easy for me to just fall and mm-hmm. sit still. And I can't sit still. Because if I sit still, there will my son will never get justice. Mm. Because it it'll all just get dropped. Nobody's gonna pick this up. I also have a I have a daily fight. It's too late for me to save my son. I can't do it. But I refuse to sit back and be quiet and let another person or another parent become aware of the of fentanyl the way I did. Mm-hmm. I would rather annoy you and you call me annoying and tell me that I'm insane and everything else, but know that I put it out there and you've read it because it wasn't out there for me. Right. I had nothing to read to even lead me to say, hey, you know what? Maybe this might, maybe you need to get your son checked. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe these signs are matching up. You know, there's a, there's a vomiting that they do too. Like they gag and they vomit a lot. Mm-hmm. That was going on. Kid had a bad gag reflex, though, and I knew that. So I pushed it off on that, too. So you say you're getting it out there. What are you doing? Are you How are you getting it out there? We rally. We rally all over the place. Um, September 23rd, we were in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. for the Lost Voices of Fentanyl National Rally. Mm-hmm. We rallied for hours at the National Mall, and then we marched to the White House, where we continued to rally, mm-hmm. where we continued to demand um, that, that fentanyl be labeled a weapon of mass destruction. Hmm. If people would stop and look at the numbers, really look at the numbers of what we've lost in this country to fentanyl, <laughs> you would understand why we're fighting for a mm-hmm. weapon of mass destruction. There's not going to be a future generation if we do not do something. 
These are this is killing the generation that is supposed to carry this country on. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at, um, they have the DEA memorial wall of pictures, the um, the fentanyl kids. Well, I'm gonna say kids because most of them are younger than me. The fentanyl. Th- th- I mean, that's ridiculous. That's in the middle of our capital. I mean, we've got a whole building full of pictures of our youth that's gone and. A big part of that is because our country will not step up. Our president will not step up and close our borders. Mm-hmm. I understand the open border situation, and for those that are less, and this is a country that we take it all in, I get that. But we're losing our own. Mm-hmm. When do My question is, is when are we going to start caring about our own? Because mm-hmm. if we had done this a long time ago, maybe my son would still be alive. Mm-hmm. So for someone listening out there, I'm playing a devil's advocate here, okay? Mm -hmm. They're saying, okay, your son was taking one illegal substance. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that he knew there was fentanyl in it? No. Okay. Okay, so... I don't think any of them did. Okay. So he's taking one illegal substance. Could he have possibly died of an overdose from just that substance? No. Okay. He would have had to... uh, An overdose is taking too much of a known substance. He did not know that that was in there, and they most certainly did not take too much. They took, okay, these pills are so super teeny tiny, Mm -hmm. and they cut them and share them. They don't even take a whole pill. Okay. So that in itself is not overdose. So what would have... What would the signs be for someone that took a Percocet? I think I may have asked you this. I can't remember. What would a parent look and see their kid? If they took just a Percocet, what would they be doing? They're going to like, they're going to be nodding out. Okay. They're going to be very lucid. Like, not lucid, sorry. They're going to be just out of it. They're like Mm -hmm. real slowed down. Okay. And I only know this because I've since got into my son's phone and seen a video that him and some friends were well the one friend makes the comment that that's what they are doing that they have taken perks okay and they call it yurking so that's what it was they said they were yurking and they're just they're really slow and their 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 voice and their talk is really slow Mm -hmm. and they nod it just essentially gives them this real quick high and then they just start nodding out and you you know and, Mm -hmm. and the friends don't know are they just nodding or are they dying I got you. Okay, back to the phone, and you know who supplied it to your son. Yes. Have you talked to any detectives about this, or to the police department? No, I don't have an open case because I don't have... The the death certificate that I received (laughs) says that my son died of a probable fentanyl toxicity. And so you cannot investigate anything that's probable. You have to know that what it is. Because even if they did do that on the probable, when we hit court, they're going to say, defense is going to be, there's no proof. There's no proof that this kid actually died of this. And the only proof would be if they went and dug him back up again and did a test. And you don't want that at all. I'm going to have to. Are you going to do it? Yeah, I am probably now. Um, but they offer, if they offer back out again, I probably will because it's the only way to get the investigation. I can't get it otherwise. So then with that, if you share what you know off your phone, you would have someone who supplied them, right? Yes. 
Have they talked to you? Well, you haven't talked to anyone. No. So the chances of maybe going after someone would go up. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to let you do, because <laughs> I know you've got a lot of other things going on that you cannot talk about, but we're here to talk about Peyton, his life, you. Yes. Now, with talking about this, and you said you've gone through, you've got some counseling. Yes. How did you get connected with Java? Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> when um, my son passed away at his um, funeral, he had um, a young man that was his friend since like middle school. They okay. game together a lot. Well, he and his mother showed up. His mother, Rose, knew Teresa. Okay. And she gave my mother Teresa's information, thinking that Teresa actually did like a um, grief group, Mm -hmm. you know, thing. And um, I don't know how I did this, but I buried my son on July 26th. And August 25th, I think it was, was overdose awareness rally downtown at the courthouse. Okay. I went. My family went. We went. I'd, I really have never sat down on this. It might have taken me a month, and I was up because mm-hmm. I was at that rally. As soon as we hit the lawn, there was a woman speaking. And at the end, they thanked Teresa and for something dawned in my head, I was like, Mom, I wonder if that's her. Uh-huh. So we walked over, and she was like, she didn't know Rose and all this stuff. And I'm like, so she gave us her number. Well, I had already put her number in my phone from my mom giving it to me after the, the funeral. Right. The phone numbers matched up. I said, that's her. So we went back, and we continued talking to her. And from that point forward, I mean, we've been all in. Um, with the group, with um, they've been all in with us too. I don't know. Um, I don't know what we would do without Java. Hmm. Um, we look forward to our interactions with them. They give you a sense of peace. They love on you. Um, they let you know that wherever you're at in in your tragedy. I mean, because we have homicide, we have missing persons, we have fentanyl poisonings. Mm-hmm. I mean. But either way, everybody there is hurting. And it's okay to be wherever you are in it. They'll just love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And all of their work is just to for the people. That's the thing is we need it because, you know, I have police officers in my family. So I have faith in my, in my officers. Mm-hmm. I just need them to be able to get the right to do their job. And I understand that they couldn't do their job because they didn't, they didn't have the right information. Right. So I'm in a, in steps here to get to that point. Mm-hmm. I just hope that when I get to that point that I get cooperation because it's pretty much put together. Right. <laughs> and I just want that. But, oh, man, I don't know what we would do without them. <laughs> right. So they're, they're your support. Yes. There you go. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Just meeting you this here the first time seems to me like you're a fighter. Definitely. I can tell. And it sounds like you're going to fight for a whole lot of other people, too. Mm, yes. I can sense Gotta that. Got to have you. purpose. Then that's my purpose to my pain right there. Yeah. Make sure, try to stop anybody else from feeling this. It's a pain that you, you one, wouldn't wish on anyone. Nope. And number two, you can't get anyone else to feel that pain. No. Yeah. But I don't really want to. You want to educate, seems yep. like to me. Yeah, I can sense that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tough. I always tell my son and I had a thing when he was younger. I would tell him that when he would get down or, or 
put himself down or think that he was couldn't do anything. I'd be like, whose son are you? And he'd tell me, Christina Wanderley's son. Well, as I, he got older, he started to see life starting to beat me down too. Mm. And I had some moments, and he pulled from that from childhood, and he came to me, he's like, whose mom are you? Yeah. And so it became Peyton Wonderly. And now I'm the same way. And that was one tough kid. He had, he had not had the easiest life, but right. he had made the best of what he did have. Right. And so it's like I just remind myself every day, I'm Peyton Wonderly's mom. And he knows that I would have never laid down and rolled over for none of this. Right. So I'm not going to do it now. Okay. Someone's listening. There's a mom, dad, grandma, somebody, mother out there listening. What would you tell them to watch for, to be prepared for, and a little knowledge on this whole fentanyl mixing and, you know, overdose? Give them something in a nutshell. Let them hear it. I'm listening. I'm a parent. Okay. Like I said earlier, I would definitely behavior changes. Anything behavior, anything that you find abnormal, check. First of all, I would tell every parent, be involved. Your job, and I now know this and I backed off too soon, and I still may not have saved my son, but your job is to be in your child's business. Mm. They don't have a private life. When they turn 18 and they want to leave your home or whatever, however old they want to be when they leave home, because I don't believe in that 18 and you're done stuff, when they leave home, they get a private life. Mm. But in your home, they don't. And especially under the age of 18, they don't get a private life. And if you're giving it to them, then you're risking it. We live in a world right now where it's anything and everything. There's a young lady who picked up a water bottle and drank off of a water bottle and died of fentanyl. There is a baby who went on vacation with their family and stayed in an Airbnb, and the Airbnb did not get properly cleaned from the people previously, and they were cutting up cocaine on their table that was laced with fentanyl. The baby put their hand in it and died. There are parents that have it out there. So pay attention. Just be in there. Anything that's abnormal, you have a right as a parent to protect your child and to check up on anything. You want to take them down and you want to get a drug test just to be sure, go do it. Because if you don't, someday you could be sitting in my shoes and they're ugly and you're going to be beating yourself up. Hmm. You're going to have regrets. Pay attention to the behavior. Pay attention to any odd medical things. Like if your kid is coming and telling you that their body is just hurting and you don't have an explanation to that, that's a good sign. My son had a lot of body aches. It wasn't due to the use, but that's due to the lack of. Hmm. You're going to see more signs of lack of. So it's like when they don't get, they can't get their hands on it or they don't have the money for it or so-and-so doesn't have it. However, they're getting it. But the sad fact is, is a lot of people don't even get that chance because they're accessing these pills through Snapchats, TikToks. And they're getting delivered to their doors. They're not getting any instruction that, hey, this is laced with fentanyl. You don't need to take the whole thing. Hmm. And these kids who are, I mean, because it's in Xanax, it's in Perks, it's in oxycodones, it's in the hydrocodones. They're putting it in, it, they're lacing it in the weed. They could put it on anything. There's been people, I mean, there's been people here in Fort Wayne themselves at that Kroger that picked the money up off the ground mm. and got it and had to go to the hospital. 
it's dangerous. And it's it's just better to assume that it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's better to stop thinking that it won't happen to me. Hmm. Because I was the, it won't happen to me. And I'm sitting here today. And on July 26th of last year, I lowered my son's body into a grave. It did happen to me. And we had a normal life. Mm-hmm. My son was not, he was not a drug addict. He didn't have the money to be a drug addict. That's the funniest thing. So he was broke, not a dime. So he, was, he wasn't a drug addict. He didn't chase things. And I, and I went back through a hundred times trying to figure out was he, and he wasn't, because he was home. Mm-hmm. He was home all the time, and he was with me, and he did things, except for from the end of May to the time he passed. And that is where I lost my kid. But I didn't know anything, but I also didn't have anybody talking. It, it wasn't loud enough. That's my purpose now. I'm going to be loud enough. We're working on starting a foundation to help me be even louder. I won't stop. I'll talk everywhere I can talk. I will tell his story. I'll take the judgment. But I'm, I promise I'm going to walk out with my head held high. I had a good kid who made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And he's no different than a lot more of these kids that have made mistakes. But... We're not getting, it's not getting any news coverage. You know, every time somebody dies in a car accident, we hear about it. Somebody gets shot, we hear about it. But these babies are dying and we don't hear about it. And it needs to be told. I'm sorry that it's not the ideal thing to run across the newscast, but every time it needs to have a moment of letting you know, oh, we've lost another one. We've lost another one. Let the rest of the world see that. We as parents, we're not just out here trying to cover up our kids' bad doings. Mm -hmm. If my kid would have been an addict, I would have sat here and told you my kid was an addict and said that there needs to be more, Mm -hmm. because I will say that, and he wasn't an addict. There needs to be better mental health care. There needs to be more drug rehabilitation centers, and there needs to be people actively out there trying to find them, because a lot of people don't even know what's available to them, or they think that they have to pay. They don't, and it's their lives. This is their lives. And as a parent, yes, pay attention. Don't let go. Don't think they got it because you don't know where they might get something that you don't know anything about. I ask you and you delivered. (laughs) Wow. Christina Wonderly, I really appreciate you being here today to share. Thank you. And I'm I'm sure someone's going to get this message. Someone's going to hear you and do the things that you've asked them to do. That was good. Thank you. I enjoyed every bit of that. (laughs) Christina Wonderly, thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Chris, I know you had nothing to say in the back, but that's okay, too. Thank you for the support that you've shown. Folks, we really appreciate you listening in to Police Pod Talk. We will catch you again next week. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.